So, Jerome, um, fantastic to have you on the ANH podcast this morning. Great to be here. It's a podcast uh, that I've always hugely admired and follow regularly. Well, look, um, what's what's uh, put you in the hot seat today is a fantastic blog post um, that has followed a lot of news um, that is not just in the UK but all over the world on the new potential mega blockbuster cholesterol-lowering Inclisiran, and you've written a fantastic blog about it, and really we're just going to bring some of that to life. Um, so what's all the fuss about in the news? Well, the big thing is that this drug called Inclisiran is being sold as the super powerful son of statins, um, and it's the one thing that it does do that is absolutely certain is that if you've been getting your cholesterol down using statins and you then add in this drug in Clizaran, uh, um, you will drop it down probably by another 50%. Now that's good news if you assume that lowering cholesterol as much as possible is always beneficial. Um, and that in this case has not been shown. Uh, the previous, there was a previous generation of drugs which did the same thing. They also lower cholesterol very heavily, effectively in the same way. Um, but they have, they never sh showed that this was able to um, increase your, um, I'm sorry, they never showed that you could reduce your risk of having a heart disease. Um, and they were only to be used for people with very, very high cholesterol and a very high risk. And yep. this new one is being pushed out for, in, in the longer term, for practically everybody. Um, yep. And the evidence for it is is really not there. And of course, the, the news is saying it works in the same way as statins and, you know, people who you know, having spent a lot of time, the industry having spent a lot of time denying that side effects are a real issue, they're now saying, well, you know, this is the new statin uh, a replacement that um, could really avoid side effects. Um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that a bit later. But first of all, let's look at how the thing works. It's, it's, it's really um, working at a genetic level in terms of gene expression. Do you want to just say a few words about that, Jerome? Yeah. I mean, there is a very a, a complicated and sophisticated system whereby the uh, HDL uh, cholesterol and the LDL cholesterol are taken back into the liver so that it's constantly, the, the liver is constantly putting out cholesterol, LDL cholesterol and then taking it back in again, um, a, a cycle. Um, and the, this process has a kind of break on it, which is called PCSK9. And it's a protein that um, slows down the rate at which uh, this cholesterol is taken out of the bloodstream. Yeah. Now, obviously, when the body sets up something like that, it does it for a reason and it does it to, in order to one of the things might be to stop the uh, liver being overwhelmed by cholesterol coming back into it. Um, and there's bound to be other factors as well. 
but what this drug does is just to ignore that and to block the gene which controls this break, as it were, for reduction. And of course, the effect of that is to reduce the amount of cholesterol in the bloodstream because it's being taken out without the break. It's just constantly being taken out and coming out. So if you believe that the lower, the better with cholesterol, and there's lots of reasons not to believe it, uh, that's good news. But if that's all it's doing, it may well have a lot of very unpleasant yeah. effects. And and of course, um, PCSK9 is um, it's a gene on on chromosome one. It, it is vital in terms of um, um, cholesterol metabolism and homeostasis. Trying to find this this balance. Um, and it's interesting when you look at the research in terms of the number of loci actually on that gene. There's right. only one of twenty seven that actually relate to this potential risk of increased coronary heart disease linked to super high um, cholesterol. So it could have other effects. Now, well, there's, um, if I can just interrupt one second. Um, the, the, the thing about PCSK9 is that it's all over the place and um, it's found in the brain, the gut, the immune system and the metabolic system, which controls glucose and insulin. Um, and the way that fat is laid down in the body. So it's a, a player in all sorts of activities. I mean, and glucose and insulin is obviously key in weight and um, diabetes, sort of the big killers. And we have no idea what, what might happen with that. And it's also involved in recovering from sepsis and interestingly, right now, viral infections. So you're banging down something which plays a huge part in all sorts of other areas. And, and we, have, we don't know what, what happens when you reduce it that much, because um, it would have to be taken for life. That would be the model. Um, exactly. no, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great business model, but you are playing with something very, very fundamental. Yeah. This, this does mark the, the start of potentially something very huge where you use a gene editing technique to silence a gene that you know something about but not everything about yeah. um and um and you're at a fairly you referred to it as a as a new drug and of course um any drug that's going to be going into large scale trials um is is a drug that's been in the pipeline for some time and and certainly this one has been in the pipeline um through a couple of other um, pharmaceutical or biopharmaceutical biotech companies before it landed in the hands of Novartis in um, in November last year, um, and it is it is using gene editing to to create this new category of drugs that that silence genes and and of course Novartis is now claiming having only jumped into this um, um, a couple of months ago that um, all as far as all their due diligence diligence is concerned, all of the data they've seen from the medicine company that they bought, who had developed the technology, um, having having acquired it from Analam Pharmaceuticals, the, the people that are, did the original RNA interference um, technology development. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's new in certain respects, but um, uh, there is an enormous amount of data that, that, that are missing. So. Um, the, the, the industry that 
is responsible for the press releases that have created global news about it um, are very much a, focusing on this life-saving element. Um, you know, they, they've been trying to suggest that, that statins are life-saving. Um, the data is pretty um, dubious there. How realistic are the kind of claims um, that, that we're seeing from, you know, are they in a position, is Novartis in a position to make the kind of claims that it has splashed across the papers all around the world? Well, no, because all that they can show is that it lowers cholesterol. So next question, how valuable, how useful is lowering cholesterol? And there are plenty of examples of uh, other um, chemicals which lower cholesterol. Uh, estrogen lowers cholesterol, for example. Um, and there's uh, one called ezetimibe, which is actually a drug which has been around for, oh, 20 years now. But it's, it does very slightly increase, um, make a difference to your risk. It, it'll reduce your risk by about 1% or 2%. And there was a famous trial that was done uh, about in 2015 um, which I have the details of if anybody wants it, um, which was an attempt to show that uh, ezetimibe was effective at cutting your risk. Is that ezetimibe on its own or with statins? Together with statins, yes. When you added it in, it, it gave you a boost. That was the, the, the aim of the trial. And what they found was that it was not working um, this is kind of drug company fiddling in a way that they really shouldn't fiddle. Um, and so that they knew what the results were, what was coming in. And quite arbitrarily, they increased the number of people by about seven or 8,000 in the trial, which then meant that you had a bigger chance of hitting more targets. And they just kind of limped over the line and showed that there was a 1.5 percent improvement um, but it it really was was not at all impressive and given that uh, inclizarin is in the same sort of territory in in that it, it works in a different way from azetamib but it has the cholesterol lowering effect um, and it seems very unlikely that it's that the um, PCSK9 can do anything else that relates to heart disease risk. And, and of course, the other, the other big thing about it is, the, is the delivery systems, um, you know, subcutaneous um, injection. Um, it, it's quite interesting across the papers that, you know, when you start looking at what politicians um, are saying about it, because I'd, I'd like to just go on if you can talk about some of the unusual ways that this drug is potentially being fast-tracked. But the the fact that it's, it's, it's an injection that you have twice a year is a pretty um, different picture. It puts the doctor back in control. It reduces this notion of, of individual empowerment. Um, and, um, and obviously, from the pharma companies um, and the healthcare delivery system's point of view, it's, um, it's more likely to in, ensure compliance, um, not only from the patient's perspective, but also in terms of maintaining the, the business model. 
So, um, I mean, that's that there have been some um, some other injectables. I mean, I, I think one of the other features that they're talking about is the price. Um, it's yeah. going to be relatively cheap. Is that is that right? The the, the inclusion. Yes, I'm the figures that I have were for the drugs that came earlier, which were also injectables, but they you had to have an injection about every week. Um, yeah. So that was really unalluring. I mean, not many people want to go along and get an injection every week anyway. Um, but if it's for something which is prevention so that you're not actually ill at the time, you're hoping to stave something off in the future, that's really quite a, a, a leap. And so it was never going to be a widely popular drug. So this being able to, to do it as a kind of depot uh, so that you get filled up with, I, I don't know how the process works, whether it actually is like other depot drugs where you only have to take them for, um, you, you get one injection and that lasts for three, six months and so on. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, this, this one is, 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 is twice a year, but, but for the rest of your life. Exactly. Um, and also it means that if you run into problems with it for some reason, uh, I mean, we've been briefly over the other areas that it works. And if there are problems with some of those things as a result, you've got something that's going to stay working for six months and and i whether they've brought out a kind of blocker for it or uh, being able to reverse it i absolutely don't know do, do, drug do, do you jerome do you see a potential gray area between i mean because the, uh, noticing the slips of the tongue that have occurred through a number of politicians and even um, national health service nhs representatives um mistakenly referring to inclusion as a vaccine do you think there may be some grey areas in terms of patients' rights and now with the pressure around vaccine hesitancy, this could be um, thrown into the same category? Well, that that was one of the things that I found most striking about. I mean, the one the, the first thing was that have, knowing uh, be having followed the, the history of the PCSK9, the idea that came out and was was absolutely certain that it was going to be fine immediately rang alarm bells for me. I thought this we, we we absolutely don't know this is going to be fine. The thing that was most surprising about the launch was the confidence that the drug was going to be given to 300,000 people very soon um, because the normal details hadn't been done and that we, we didn't know how set, whether it was safe and we didn't know how effective it was. But also, and perhaps more worryingly still, was the fact that um, there are two other, there are regulatory bodies which are supposed to be independent, which need to approve drugs. Um, one of them is NICE, um, which is the body that says, is this cost effective? And the other one um, is the, uh, the MHRA, which is the licensing or the body for the UK um, or the European licensing body, the uh, um, European Medicines Agency, and neither of them had passed the drug for use. And that should be a very severe block. But what the announcement said was that um, NICE was getting on to looking into it and would be reporting 
and passing it, and that the same was going for the um, EMA. So here you had the bizarre situation that the people who were promoting the drug was very confident that all the regulations were going to be in place, so everything was going to be fine. Um, and what made this even more peculiar or actually worrying as well is that the um, collaborate there's a collaboration behind this and what's happened is that the drug company um, Novartis is in partnership with three or four of the top NHS bodies NHS England uh, research unit and several other ones and they together are pushing through this new development so rather than having the drug company offering a product which then has to be evaluated by NICE, evaluated by the, uh, the, the, the um, uh, bodies whose job it is to say what can come on the market and what can't, um, you've got a single body which is the evaluators, the NHS and the drug company all locked in together. And at the, <laughs> that is not... Uh, reassuring in terms of that this drug is going to get a, 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 a an independent evaluation as to its benefit because there's billions riding on it and all the people the players in it are all part of the ones who want it to work yeah so that you know just out of the blue without any um, democratic process having been enacted this is the classic example of a major decision at governmental level to fast track the drug because um, it's viewed as being incredibly effective because of the figures of over 50% cholesterol reduction and strangely enough incredibly safe. Now, I mean, I've, I've dug into um, director's notes that, that have been shared amongst uh, shareholders at Novartis when the buyout of the medicine company occurred in, in November um, that we'll um, share some of that information um, in the, uh, the, the the written piece that accompanies this podcast um, and it's you know obviously in terms of side effects the history if you're going to play around with um, PCSK9 the history is you've got to obviously look very much at the liver to see their side effects. So they've looked at liver, they've looked at kidney and markers for liver and kidney damage. But in terms of um, the longer term knock-on effects in terms of disturbing cholesterol metabolism, which relates to hormones, relates to brain function, relates to diabetes, um, you know, I've seen no data at all. Um, so this this idea of um, claiming such a high degree of safety and such incredible specificity because of the fact that it works on one gene, but one gene that has multiple functions, um, seems to be pretty alarming, um, particularly because it's not being green-lighted by any democratic process as far as we can see. It is decisions taken at very high level, and it is very much... Um, a cartel of companies and governments, you know, working together. And obviously, the, the, the UK is not in the, the UK and the EU is not really in the lead here. The, the US, um, Novartis US and the FDA is, is even further ahead with the process.
and it's well, the, although in, in fact the FDA hasn't officially um, okayed it um, but again this was brushed over in the announcement saying it soon would well if you've got a regulator to be able to predict whether the regulator is going to pass your product or not when it's supposed to be an independent assessment is makes a nonsense of it um, and on the issue of side effects um, anyone who's been following the, the statins debate will know that there is an unresolved issue of exactly what the side effects of statins are. Um, and there's lots and lots of data on my website about the sort of ongoing battle about it. One of the, the key figures has been asserting for years that the, um, the, the, the side effects are absolutely minimal and the drugs are incredibly safe. Um, and one of the things that sort of shows the way that the game is played by the pharmaceutical companies is that when the PCSK9 um, first round of drugs appeared, one of the things that they did was to do some research to assess um, the side effects of statins. Mm -hmm. And they... Um, published a report which said that the incidence of side effects affected about 40% of people who took the drug. Now, that matches up with what some of the clinicians and others were saying, but it's miles away from what the statin, not just the statin, the, the um, companies producing the statins, but one of the major um, there's an organization in Oxford which has been doing research on statins for um, 20 years and consistently report producing reports which say that they're very effective and they're, and they're very safe. Well, Jerome, on that, on that point, I was going to, I was going to say, because I'd, I've been onto the EU clinical trials register and I see five trials listed there for Enclizaran. Um, most of them obviously the medicine company and then um, the very last one I noticed the involvement of um, our dear friends at Oxford University. Do you smell your, your friend Rory <laughs> Collins uh, involved with this whole thing? Do you think? Uh, um, yes, I mean, Oxford, Oxford University just as a, an entity is mentioned in the press release as being along with um, NHS England and these other NHS bodies as being part of it. And Sir Rory Collins, who you <laughs> mentioned, is an astonishing man who has been producing these reports, um, which the significant thing about the reports produced by Sir Rory Collins from Oxford is that they hold all the data compiled by the trials, some 30 very large trials on statins, which um, the uh, body run by Sir Rory Collins has been finding showing benefit. However much you lower cholesterol, there's benefit, and whatever your starting level, there's benefit. This is not really very plausible, but the key thing about it is that no other independent researcher can go along and have a look and say, let's look at this data, because there are different interpretations, things get fiddled with a long, long history of playing around with data and so on. And so you have to rely on the word of this man whose whole um, 
career and and um, the, the head of the organ, the, the multi-million pound organization that he runs, is dependent on on this being the case. And, and uh, trust that what what's inside his black box um, <laughs> is, is, is so uh, it's a take when, it on trust. You know, you know his yeah. his findings actually do not uh, match with with what we see outside that black box. And, and in um, fact, what, what's what? Sorry, if I can just go on. Is that what's yeah. really shocking? Is that despite this black box and trust me and, and breaking all the rules of supposedly evidence-based medicine, he's now um, tie, persuaded the Daily Mail about three or four months ago to run an article which person, personally attacked three um, independent researchers who had been criticizing and examining and assessing the papers and so on in a highly professional way. And they were des described as statin deniers. And you had their pictures uh, lined up across a spread. Uh, you know, these are people who, Sir Rory Collins was saying, are responsible for killing people because they're raising doubts and um, they will be responsible for more people's deaths than those other frauds who've been attacking the, the, the MMR vaccine. So this is very dirty playing, uh, a lot of hidden uh, material um, based on eminence, and the idea that somehow the, the, um, the politics behind Inclizarin are any different is, is something that I certainly don't believe. So, Jerome, um, let's finish off. Um, a likely scenario is that um, anyone could be approached in the UK, in the US or elsewhere to join an Inclizaran trial. I, I, I hesitate to use the term um, to become an Inclizaran hesitant. Um, um, but if you have, you know, concerns about this, um, what should people do? Um, if they're approached, do you think there's, um, if you, if, for example, if you've got a, uh, a a real history, familial history of high cholesterol, might it make sense? What's your view, or do you think it's just it, it would be a risk too great to take? I would think that the there is data to show that the even the benefits of ramming down people's uh, cholesterol with, with who've got hypercholesteremia, which is where you, you naturally produce very, very high levels, it's really not that strong that, that even doing that without that group makes a difference. Um, the uh, issue with statins, of course, is that um, it's now quite well discussed that the effect of statins may not be due to cholesterol lowering, but due to other things it does. I mean, statins are quite what's often called a dirty drug. They affect a, a lot of different systems, um, sometimes beneficially. And one of the other things that statins do is they reduce the inflammation that often comes along with heart disease and so on. And so when people are saying, well, um, you know, that there is this um, research which shows that actually having higher cholesterol is better for you. And there was a paper which came out in December, a very detailed paper, um, looking at a large number of people, older people, to see um, if 
they which group did the better was it the ones with the higher or the lower ldl cholesterol and the study very clearly showed that um it was the uh, the the ones with the higher cholesterol and these were people who'd been treated with statins and the kind of get out clause was oh well maybe it's because statins have their effect via another route it could well be this this inflammatory route so um, and, and again, the shock of the announcement is that all of the positive things about we're going to get, it's going to be passed uh, nicely, FDA, all these other regulatory bodies are going to pass uh, enclizarin, was based on the fact that they were going to be running a trial, which is the trial that people will be asked to join, a trial which they're aiming for 40,000 people to join up to. But the purpose of the trial is to gather the data which they need to prove <laughs> that the drug works. And, the, and those data won't be available till about 2023. Exactly. Um, and, and yet, so, I mean, it, it, in many respects is, um, is very... So I, I think I would say at the moment there isn't any evidence that the thing is... I understand that the trial is being set up to gather that evidence, and I would like to follow normal procedure and wait until there is evidence before I start taking it myself. Yeah, no, absolutely. Jerome, it's been fascinating <laughs> to talk to you. I, I, I need to just um, say something because anyone who's, who's viewed this podcast is going to um, wonder what's on your T-shirt, <laughs> which is the very first question I asked you. Um, so it is, it is the Bose and Hicks formula, isn't it? I have to confess my um, tiny uh, geek element. Uh, I was at CERN. And they had this T-shirt, which is the equation for the Higgs boson um, particle. Yeah. Uh, and that's all I know about it. It might actually say, you are a complete shit loony in, uh, <laughs> in one of the Chinese dialects. That's fabulous. Well, look, um, there'll be links um, below that you can follow to get back to Jerome's blog information about statins watch out um this is a case of a massively overblown potential mega blockbuster drug that novartis has spent about 10 billion buying the medicines company um they have to make it work for their shareholders that seems to be the primary driver um and many of the claims seem to be premature um at the most conservative reading of the situation so Jerome, thank you so much for joining us. Great. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity.